Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Wednesday, February 26th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Ahead, with medical marijuana now legal in Missouri, cannabis entrepreneurs are finding plenty of new opportunities. A stretch of Cherokee Street in St. Louis has the highest concentration of dispensaries in the region, including the state's first private marijuana consumption lounge. Everyone can bring their own cannabis that they have, which is like full medical marijuana. We also provide CBD hemp flour for people. St. Louis Public Radio's Corinne Ruff goes to the South City neighborhood to find out more about the budding industry. First, the headlines. A sharply divided St. Louis County Council has made it illegal for individuals with domestic violence convictions or active orders of protection to carry a concealed gun in the county. As St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Lippman reports, opponents of the new law say it does not keep domestic violence victims safe. Federal law already contains the same prohibitions, but Council Chairwoman Lisa Clancy, a Democrat from Maplewood, says the cases are rarely prosecuted. We need to be able to do this at the local level as well. This is all about a shared priority that we all have to keep county residents safe. But 3rd District Republican Tim Fitch, a former county police chief, says all local police can do is write someone who violates the law a ticket. While it may look good on a campaign brochure or during a press conference soon to be held, it does not fix the problem. All three Republican members oppose the measure. The four Democrats voted yes. Similar legislation has stalled at the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. I'm Rachel Lipman, St. Louis Public Radio. The top contenders for Missouri governor have signed up to run for the office. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports, they filled out the paperwork yesterday, the first day for Missouri-based state and local candidates to file for the August primary. Both Republican Governor Mike Parson and Democratic State Auditor Nicole Galloway filed on Tuesday to run in the 2020 gubernatorial contest. They joined scores of other statewide legislative and judicial candidates that signed up at the Secretary of State's office in Jefferson City. Parson told reporters that he's hoping to get a full four-year term, pointing to his ability to pass economic development and transportation initiatives through the legislature. Right now, everything is just looking extremely well in the state. A lot of the policies we've been able to implement on the workforce development, the infrastructure, the education side of it. After she filed, Galloway criticized Parson for how he's managed Medicaid and expressed support for a ballot item expanding the health care program. In Jefferson City, I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Missouri University of Science and Technology is hoping its 150th anniversary will help secure more state funding. The school kicked off its year-long celebration in Jefferson City yesterday. Chancellor Modigani says SNT has a proven track record. We have a sold-out crowd of international companies that come to campus to recruit our graduates. The average number of job offers that our graduates get is seven. A 2016 audit shows Missouri ranks 46th in the nation in state spending per student in higher education. Degani says that trend cannot continue. S&T's sesquicentennial celebration will continue with weekly events on the Rolla campus. The St. Louis alderman who represented a ward in the north-central part of the city, which includes the historic Ville neighborhood, has died. Sam Moore represented the fourth ward for 13 years. He lived there for more than 60. 
The Democrat died yesterday following a long illness. St. Louis Board of Aldermen President Louis Reed says he is deeply saddened by the loss of his spiritual advisor and friend. Moore was 71. Missouri's new medical marijuana industry is coming to life along Cherokee Street in St. Louis. The strip is lined with advocacy centers, CBD shops, and soon the city's largest concentration of dispensaries. St. Louis Public Radio's Corinne Ruff reports on why the South City neighborhood is becoming the epicenter of the cannabis culture in St. Louis. Up the creaky stairs of a brick building along Cherokee Street, you'll pass photos of Bob Marley and Snoop Dogg before entering Missouri's first cannabis consumption lounge. There, medical marijuana cardholders are spending their Friday night puffing on joints and learning to paint the St. Louis skyline. Are you smoking? Are you smoking? I don't see enough smoke in the air. <coughs> okay, okay. Now, so you want to take your medium brush. That's Shay Brown, the instructor for tonight's Puff, Pass, and Paint class. If you've ever heard of sip and paint classes, this is similar, but with marijuana instead of wine. The event is one of many hosted at the private Cola Lounge since it opened last year. Owner Brennan England explains the basics of how it works. Everyone can bring their own cannabis that they have, which is like full medical marijuana. We also provide CBD hemp flour for people, and then we also have CBD-infused drinks. England says he saw a business opportunity in creating a place for people to learn about cannabis, the medical benefits, ways to consume it, and how to get in on the business side. He says his business is part of a growing cannabis industry all along Cherokee Street, which he's calling the Green Light District. It's a nickname he hopes will help brand the area as St. Louis's center for cannabis tourism. In just a few months, a one-mile strip will be home to three medical marijuana dispensaries. One of those, Viola, will open about two blocks down the road from the Cobo Lounge. Abe Givens co-owns the company's two St. Louis locations with his cousin, former NBA star Larry Hughes. Givens walks around what was previously an abandoned bank, showing off his vision for how it will look in a few months. On this wall, it'll probably be a mural of like Kobe, Nipsey Hussle, like cultural stuff. On the other side, I'm not sure about the bank teller options. I'll probably leave it like that. Inside, it's almost completely empty, but Given says soon it will serve a real community need. As one of few black business owners in the local cannabis industry, he says serving and employing communities of color is really important to him. Givens, a St. Louis native, says Cherokee Street was his first choice for a dispensary location because of the diversity and spirit of the neighborhood. All ethnicities kind of come to Cherokee Street, so I think it's kind of like a vibe. It's a lot of cannabis-related activities and stuff like that that go on on Cherokee Street that I think will be beneficial event-wise, community outreach. I think it'll be great for that, you know? And I think it's needed over here. Given says he plans to bring daytime security to the parking lot, too. Across the street, business owner Tim Wood says that will be a huge benefit to his store, too. Like the dispensary, his art store is one block south of Cherokee Street. He says he's struggled to lure customers off the main drag, but more development could boost business on the side streets. My personal hope, selfish hope, is that it brings in daytime traffic to the neighborhood. Alderwoman Kara Spencer, who represents the south side of Cherokee Street, says the area is known for testing out seemingly unusual business concepts. She points to the success of a button shop that's expanding across from her office where we meet. Of any neighborhood in St. Louis, she says Cherokee Street is a natural place for the cannabis industry to bloom. We're right down the street 
from the Anheuser-Busch Brewery, Limp Brewery. This is a home of new industries taking shape for St. Louis. Spencer says she's encouraged that dispensary owners like Givens are starting conversations with the community about how they can give back. She says she wants to see these new marijuana businesses support what's already there. I want to see that we're working with existing businesses we're not taking but we're adding to. And as a city representative, I want to see those tax dollars come in and be able to help our city provide the services that our citizens need. Spencer says right now her biggest concern is making sure there'll be enough parking to go around when the dispensaries open. I'm Corinne Ruff, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Maria Altman edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Before we wrap up, happy birthday, Johnny Cash. The man in black would have been 88 today. I hear the train a-coming, it's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison and time keeps dragging on. Seriously, how great is Folsom Prison Blues? Cash sold more than 90 million records worldwide in several genres, country, gospel, rock and roll, blues, folk. Johnny Cash died in 2003. I'm Wayne Pratt from the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom. This has been The Gateway. Don't ever play with guns, but I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. We hope you enjoyed today's version of The Gateway. Now it's time to find out what you think. We've created a survey to better understand why you listen and what you think we could do better. Go to gateway.show to fill out that survey. It will take just a few minutes. Again, that's gateway.show. Your participation will be a huge help in the future of this podcast. Thanks. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.